It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, as we record, Zach Taylor spoke to the media earlier. We've got injury updates on a plenty of guys. Nothing really concrete about Joe Burrow, except for that they seem to continue to be optimistic that he won't miss time. We'll hear from Zach Taylor about those injury updates in a few minutes. We're also going to talk about some of the the good, the positive takeaways. Yeah, Joe Burrow maybe. actually played a heck of a game. I mean, interception aside and, and debatably the sack, the, the strip sack where he hurt his pinky in the first quarter aside, which you could really argue about. And it seems like Zach Taylor is ready to argue with James Rapine about in the press conference on Monday. But uh, I, I thought Burrow played a really good game. We'll talk about some of those really nice plays he made and how, you know, the team let him down a little bit uh, uh, while the game was still in contention. We talked about some of it yesterday. We'll, we'll look again at the positives today. Then we're going to wrap up with a look at Jamar Chase and his frustration that seems to be growing the last few weeks and what the Bengals need from him going forward. But James, sounds like you have some good information from Zach Taylor about injuries, yeah? Yeah, we talked to Zach, and obviously the first thing was first. You had to ask about the injuries. And while Pinky Gate has taken over uh, certainly my mind and I think the minds of most uh, Bengals fans out there, we also had to ask uh, about a certain linebacker. Logan Wilson suffered that shoulder injury, was carted off the field. Here's what Zach Taylor had to say about number 55 uh, shoulder injury and in certainly uh, we'll miss a week, maybe a couple weeks. Um, that would be the bright side of things. So we'll, we'll just have to see where it goes from there, but um, kind of go through the week and get some more information on it, but certainly out for this week. Thanks Zach. So, so you don't plan to put him on injured reserve as of now. That isn't the plan. Um, not at, not at this second, you know, we'll kind of assess through the week and, and figure out what we think the long term is going to be. What, what about just since we're on injuries, what about Cheeto? Cheeto, Cheeto will go today today. Um, we'll see where he's at with his foot and uh, see how he can manage that over the course of the week and make a decision. Um, other guys that pop up, Marcus Bailey, um, you know, he had, a, he had a stinger. So we'll have to monitor him during the week and, and see where he's at. Um, other guys that popped up, um, you know, the guys that were, were out last week, most of those guys will be day-to-day this week to see where they're at. So talking about Trey Hopkins, Riley Reef, uh, Chris Evans, those guys. Um, hopefully we can get them back practicing and see where they're at for this week. And then, and then a lot of guys, um, had some nicks and bruises, but most of the other guys would be good. We're all on pinky watch. How's, uh, how's Joe doing today? He feels good. You know, I, I, you have to ask him specifically, but, um, you know, there's, there's a chance that we limit him early in the week so that we can make sure he just doesn't put any pressure on it and, and can be the most effective he can be. Something that sounds like Joe Burrow is going to have to deal with. He addresses the media on Wednesday, so we'll have the updates from Joe Burrow as he's, I'm sure, going to tell James Rapine that his pinky's fine 
and he's going to play football <laughs> and that's probably all we're going to get out of him, but we're going to ask the question either way, of course. And so we'll see, we'll see what Joe says later this week, but, but unfortunate news for Logan Wilson at a very thin position already. They've already lost to Keem Davis Gaither. Uh, now Logan Wilson looks like he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks. And for anyone that's dislocated their shoulder, and we don't know how bad it was, but for anyone that's dislocated their shoulder, you know how painful of an injury that is, how it can be tricky to recover from. And, Oof. you know, the optimistic scenario is he can play with a brace on it, with the strap on his arm that's going to limit his mobility a little bit probably, but will support the joint. And that's the optimistic view. The the, the downside, if, if things are bad, is it could potentially require surgery. So it doesn't sound like the Bengals necessarily know yet, I guess a couple things there. Jermaine Pratt played a really good game. He had that forced fumble, of course, and was generally a, a very good linebacker, was all over the place against the Chargers on Sunday. And Joe Batchy, shout out Joe Batchy, he actually played pretty well. And and that's a guy that as long as he's got the mental going, he's a little bit athletically limited compared to Logan Wilson, but as long as he's got the mental on point and, and he's not – you know, confused as, as he was by an RPO at one point against the chargers. He's, he's okay. You know, he's able to do the job. And so, I, I mean, I think they'll need to go find some depth there. They're going to need to find somebody, ideally a veteran to come in and, and bolster that unit. Cause there's only three guys right now, but at least the, the other two that were left in playing as Marcus Bailey, sorry, Marcus Bailey sounds like he might be back this week too, but the two guys that played against the chargers, they, they played pretty well. They, they acquitted themselves respectfully. Yeah, they did. And that's the thing is the expectations for the defense after some of those injuries dropped and that the play got better, you know, because they forced some turnovers and they were able to get some pressure and they were able to do some things. It's just how sustainable is it, right? They're obviously not as good without Logan Wilson. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a thin position. They're going to hopefully be able to find someone, I guarantee you, and it depends on when you're listening to this, but Tuesday they're working out linebackers. So get ready. There's going to be a couple workouts. They're going to hold some guys and, uh, you know, bring some guys in and who knows, maybe they'll, they'll sign one of them at least to the practice squad where they should, if I'm recall, yeah, because they promoted Travion Williams from the practice squad to the active roster on Saturday. They placed, and we didn't cover all this stuff. They placed Auden Tate on injured reserve. So he's going to miss at least three games. Um, so th there's a good shot that they, they add someone at least to the practice squad. And who knows, maybe it's a veteran they add to the practice squad and figure out later how to get them to the active roster. But I would expect them to add a linebacker. And the other one, though, is Cheeto, right? Is he able to – you heard Zach there, it's day-to-day. -day. Well, what the hell does that mean? You know, it, it doesn't mean injured reserve, fine, but it could mean missing Sunday's game against San Francisco, which, uh, if that's the case, means more Vernon Hargraves, who, who made his Bengals debut and was active. And uh, Darius Phillips, who was inactive on Sunday, you would certainly expect to see him this week as well if uh, if Cheeto can't go. Yeah, injuries really piling up in the last couple of weeks, it feels like, uh, at a number of positions. Riley mm -hmm. Reef and Trey Hopkins also on that day-to-day -day list. And all three of those guys are so important. And I guess I guess one comment here. People, people right now really ragging on Trey Hill and Isaiah Prince and fair criticisms and some unfair criticisms, in my opinion, the, the penalties were bad. They were untimely. Uh, Hakeem Adenergy also had a penalty at a bad time. Jonah Williams gave up pressure at a bad time. Quentin Spain had a whiff at a bad time. He he had a in the run game and in the pass game. So they, they took turns 
and it wasn't all bad the whole game. Like early in the game, before things got crazy and out of hand, it was it was okay. Joe Burrow had some really good pockets at times, and it was just at some key times there were some whiffs at multiple positions. So regardless of that, I think that Trey Hopkins was missed in the run game. So if he is healthy and ready to go, your center in an outside zone scheme is going to be really important. And, and just Trey Hopkins has more experience and I think is still a better player than Trey Hill. And obviously Riley reef, the, the steady presence there would be very important. So those three guys, those three veterans, Cheeto reef Hopkins, those are the ones that I'm watching the most closely. Eli Apple has stepped up, but I think that Cheeto is a very big part of what makes this defense go right now in terms of the way they like to match up in the secondary. And then, of course, Joe Burrow's pinky, but I feel pretty optimistic that he's going to play, and we'll just have to see how limited or not he is. And even with that pinky, James, I thought he made some really phenomenal throws and phenomenal plays against LA. So let's talk about some of the good from Joe Burrow and why that should give us some some hope for these tough five games to finish the schedule coming up next. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. Well, you switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you're going to get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes of Locked On Bengals and the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power to all the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money, who knows how powerful you'll become. You can find out by switching to Boost Mobile today and get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to America's largest or one of their largest 5G networks. More power to save, Boost Mobile, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl opportunity. You're going to get a ticket and an experience package. You can select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or just search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location for more details. James, we wanted to spend some time in this episode after yesterday complaining quite a bit, I think, about uh, myriad issues in, in the Bengals' loss to the Chargers to focus on a few good things, a few positive takeaways, because you can only harp on the penalties and the bad pass pro late in the game and this and that for, for so long before it becomes tired. And, and sure. there were some really good things in that game, and we're going to focus on Joe Burrow. We could talk about the Bengals' four sacks and seven tackles for a loss and some of the good stuff we saw on defense, Cheeto's interception, and and the ability to bounce back from the start. We talked about some of that in our post-game show. So we're going to talk Joe Burrow right now and, and heap some praise on the Bengals' injured but gritty and battling young quarterback who I, I thought 
really made one, one and a half mistakes on the day. So let's get that out of the way. The interception in the end zone when things are out of hand that he's trying to force a ball to CJ Uzama. Chris Harris is just squatting on it. I don't know if he ever sees Chris Harris or if he does. Certainly is not the ball placement he would want. That's a mistake. The other one is is one that you could argue about. I think Jonah Williams runs Uche Nwosu 10 yards deep on the strip sack in the first quarter. And, and Burrow kind of takes a hitch and steps up and, to me, looks late. I've seen the all 22 of this play. Jamar Chase wide open. Burrow hits the last step of his drop and takes two hitches instead of hitting the drop and throwing. Mm-hmm. That would avoid the sack and probably lead to a big play. Not sure why Burrow hesitated, but to me, after watching it, I think he's at least somewhat culpable there. But those are the only two mistakes on a day when the guy's playing with a dislocated pinky and multiple quarterbacks talked yesterday a lot about how important the pinky is at throwing the ball. And so I I would credit Joe Burrow for all the plays we're about to talk about, but because I know we'll be accused of, of being, I don't know, orange tinted glasses. If we don't mention the mistakes, just want to get that out of the way. Yeah. First off, let's talk about the interception to to Harris. Uh, I I get it. Like mathematically they were still in it, you know, down 16, you score there, you get the two point conversion, which apparently the Bengals suck at. So they probably wouldn't have gotten it anyway. And then, you know, you you get get a stop score, another two point conversion. But again, the the Bengals suck at those. So they probably wouldn't have got it. They probably weren't winning that game. I was there. There was no momentum fans done. There was no chair. It was just done The the moment Mixon fumbled, the air was let out of the balloon and and it just didn't feel like they were coming back. It didn't. And, you know, and then, you, you know, they responded and they drive downfield and you're hoping, and there's probably some hope at home. It didn't feel like it. And even though he was willing it, I look at that interception, like a garbage time, almost like turnover when you're down 10 and you're just trying to force it in basketball. And he admitted he, he was trying to force it at the end there. I don't think he saw Harris necessarily, or if he did, he was trying to get it like lofted over him in the most impossible way that just, you know, you're not Superman. You might think it sometimes, but it's just not going to happen. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, honestly, I don't really give a damn that he threw that interception because I think the game was over anyway to be as, as blunt as possible about it, because there's been some people that have already talked about that interception and, and make it like it was like the game was still there. And I just don't think it was the other one. I agree with you. We watched the, the all 22 before. And um, it, it, to me, if he steps up, if he's just a little earlier, he hesitates for some reason. And I don't know what the hesitation is and we're not going to know. It's not like they're going to tell us, but he hesitates. And if he doesn't hesitate, well, who knows? Maybe he would have at least given Jamar Chase a chance to to bobble the ball up in the air for the safety to come grab it. But he would have at least been able to do that, right? And so uh, since that didn't happen, um, yeah, it was the, the strip sack. So it stinks. The, the, the first two possessions of this game, the Bengals could have had 14 points. And instead, it was two turnovers, a Jamar Chase interception, uh, a Jonah Williams he did get beat and in a, a Jamar or a Joe Burrow fumble and to make matters worse is he got injured on that play. But, and here's the fun part. Now we get to talk about the fun throws that he made because they all came after the, the injured pinky. They all came uh, with uh, some kind of, of pressure. And what I mean by pressure is when you're injured and you're down by a lot, there's already more pressure on your shoulders and uh, and sometimes there was actual real pressure in his face, and uh, he made some good throws. Which one do you want to start with? 
Well, let's let's frame it first, right? Everybody knows they were down 24 to zero and he had a mm -hmm. busted up pinky and he's in tons of pain on the sideline just trying to play football. And and he wills the team back into a position where they're driving to take a lead before Joe Mixon's fumble. And and these plays are are some of the reasons that he's there during the game, James. I was consistently impressed with his ability to make sideline throws and outbreakers with the pinky. And and he did it throughout the game. The accuracy, for the most part, there were some times it showed up, and you could tell that the pinky impacted the throws. But the accuracy for the most part remained. And, and one great example, there, there's two out routes, one to T Higgins. that's about a 20 yard out and one to Tyler Boyd. That's about a 20 yard out, but the throw probably goes 40, 45 yards in the air because of where Joe Burrow is throwing it from that, that are incredibly impressive. So let's, let's talk Tyler Boyd. This is one that I tweeted about too. It's a duck. It's an absolute duck. You can see it on the TV copy. The ball is wobbling through the air. Joe Burrow drops back. He's on the right hash for this throw. Tyler Boyd's running like a 20-yard sail or out route on the left side of the field. And, and Burrow throws the ball as Boyd is getting out of his break well inside the numbers. And, mm -hmm. and the ball is out of Burrow's hands. It drops in a perfect spot on the sideline where only Boyd can get it in stride. And, and you, you literally can't throw that route with that touch any better than that. Maybe Justin Herbert throws that ball differently. And this is all the rage in, in social media. We're not going to get into it. Maybe he throws a bullet late and it gets there anyway. But Joe Burrow, when he throws it, it's a perfectly accurate throw despite it coming out like a duck. And, and clearly his pinky impacting that throw mm -hmm. despite all of that. It probably, like I said, I think it's like 40, 45 yards in the air because of where he throws it, how far behind the line of scrimmage he is. And, and it was just a perfect throw. And, and I was blown away. That was so impressive to me. Yeah. So a couple of things. I think it was their first drive after halftime, right? When he makes this throw and we're like really questioning the pinky and he somehow made it and uh, incompletes it Two, Justin Herbert would have probably thrown it into the third row because he was either inaccurate or, or, you know, I, anyways, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, third thing. I play this game on my phone uh, called Retro Bowl. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it, it's like Super Techno Bowl way back in the day. And you get these quarterbacks that don't have any arm, like they just can't throw the ball. And so you have to do that. You have to throw it and anticipate super, super early. And I'm not making fun of Burrow's arm. He adjusted because he knew he couldn't grip the ball and get the power behind it. We saw him during the broadcast, right? And I saw him on the sideline really trying. And so the fact that he was able to adjust in an NFL game and make a throw like that against NFL players, you know, like crazy. And they're down 11 at this point. And he makes a, a great throw. It's a great adjustment for him to know what he was physically capable and not capable of doing in that moment. And you're right. It was an absolute dime. And he he's done that from time to time. And it's not like his velocity was dead. I think there were times that he was able to, to put something on it too. But on mm -hmm. this particular throw, he chose to make a, a perfect, if ugly, perfectly accurate throw to the far sideline. Another one to talk about is the T Higgins touchdown. And, and this is a, a great timing pattern in terms of when he releases the ball. So this is a second and two in the first quarter. They're on the fringe of the red zone at the 29 yard line burrows in shotgun. And you know, they, they motion CJ Uzama inside of T Higgins on the right side and Higgins gets a free release, free inside release. And he's kind of breaking it's, it's kind of a seam route. He's sort of breaking to the hashes mm -hmm. and the corner is well outside him, but the safety 
starts to break on it as soon as Burrow starts to rip it. And Burrow, to his credit, the safety coming from the far hash fits it in between safety and corner to T. Higgins in a place where he's able to go make a, a fairly easy for for a double coverage kind of kind of catch contested jump ball touchdown and so this is another one that you know the Jamar Chase throw notwithstanding is one of his better throws of the game this should should have been a touchdown was a touchdown the Jamar Chase throw should have been a touchdown so a couple big time deep throws for Joe Burrow in this game that I thought were were worth highlighting for sure and and it's good to see T Higgins I get it it wasn't like he had a defensive back hanging on him, but you're right, double covered, go up and make that play and sky for it. I think that's really going to help his confidence. And, you know, he had a career high in yards, 138 yards, but it seems like you, you get him going a little bit. And if they can somehow get these two guys together and going off at the same time, I think this offense could really take off. But yeah, the, the throw to, to Chase, that might've been his best throw. And it's on the, you know, the drive after the sack fumble. And it's just perfect, perfect in stride. Chase didn't have to slow down at all. And it it might have been so damn perfect that that's why Chase was like, oh, like I don't, I don't know. I don't know why Chase was like that, but he was. And it's a play hopefully we never see again. But uh, that was a, an amazing throw. And that's the thing is for all the debate out there, like I don't feel worse or bad about how Burrow performed. I think he played really well for the most part. And like you said, outside of a mistake or a mistake and a half, I, I think he gave the Bengals a chance to win and they probably win anyways. If one of the two Jamar makes the catch or Mixon doesn't fumble, just one of the two happen. I think it completely alters uh, the game and swings momentum in the Bengals favor. A real snowball-y game. And, oh. and you can tell that Jamar Chase is frustrated getting both of those guys going off in the same game as you talked about. I mean, that could have been the game it happened. Right. This 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 could have been it because C. Higgins had a big game. Jamar Chase left a, a 70 yard touchdown on the field. So uh, Jamar Chase frustrated. We'll talk about that and uh, how T. Higgins is performing. And T. Higgins has been really good this year. Coming up next. In life, we're all bound for different things. Well, with Beachbound Vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery or bound for togetherness. Or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected, like a drop pass that you think is going to be a 71-yard touchdown. I'm just kidding. All right, I need to top, stop taking shots at Jamar Chase. But personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm not thinking about drop passes. I'm thinking about kicking my feet up, having a nice cold cocktail. And let's be honest, right now, who wouldn't love to do that, especially when it's 30-plus degrees in Cincinnati and windy and rainy like it's been with Beachbound Vacation, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you no matter what you're looking for. Check them out right now at beachbound.com today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, Jamar Chase is rightfully frustrated, I would say, 
with the way his season's been going lately. I, I tweeted this. I'll just tell you the splits. His first seven games when he was a runaway rookie of the year and the next big thing in the NFL before, you know, even as his fellow rookies, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle started to level the playing field a little bit. His first seven games, James, featured 50 targets. He caught 35 of those, had just three drops. And those 35 catches went for 22 yards a catch. That's 754 yards and six touchdowns. That pace is, is astronomical. And, and we might have expected some, some regression, but I don't think anyone was expecting something like his next five games, which featured just 20 catches on 37 targets and five drops. He, he dropped five out of the 25 catchable passes and there are some pass breakups in there too that, that he was thrown in the last five weeks and had just 204 yards. And so early in the season when I would say things like, yeah, he might have some drops, but he's going to have 200 yards and a touchdown to show for it, and you're fine with that. Uh, it hasn't been there as much. Just two touchdowns and a few drop touchdowns in those drops in the last five games. And he's clearly frustrated and I think rightfully so, because if he finishes the way he started the season and finds a way to be more productive and Burrow starts to connect with him on these deep plays again, that would be just so huge for this team. But just listening to him, you can tell that something needs to change. Any bit of frustration, like wishing you kind of had a little bit more of the numbers that you had the early part of the season? Hell yeah. Of course. Come on, of course. <laughs> deal with that um you know it's just adjusting on the fly um you know not messing up assignments um make sure i'm on the same page as quarterback you know ma's penalties you know no drops you know uh it's just making it if i'd have made that catch in the beginning of the game you know what i'm saying we probably wouldn't be having this talk right now you know what i'm saying because that's early in the game and that's a big play so uh you know just make the play when it's made it needs to be made is that it? Is, is it the drops? Is it the drops that are the most frustrating part, especially like one like yesterday? That out of all of it, when you have your opportunities, yeah, I guess, yeah, basically, the ones you want the most. There's Jamar Chase, and yeah, it's it's got to be frustrating, especially now that he's had some opportunities. It isn't just coverage wise, and he did go on to say and mention because I forget. I think Dave Lapham asked him about how he was doubled at LSU. And he was like, yeah, they, they moved me around more at LSU. And I, I wonder about that at the same time. That's, and he knows this, there's no excuse to drop the pass that he dropped. And he had another drop uh, on, it was uh, I believe it was a second or it was a first down play in the second half. And it would have been like a three yard gain or a four yard gain if he doesn't break a tackle or two, but still it was a drop. So yeah, they need to clean it up and, and they need, especially with these injuries with Joe Burrow now being at less than 100%. Maybe Jamar isn't going to be that guy of the first seven games, but he can't be the guy that we've seen over the past five weeks. And it's not all his fault, but the guy we saw on Sunday has to catch that ball and honestly has to score. It has to be a touchdown. It can't be like a play where he gets tracked down. They didn't draft him to get tracked down. They drafted him to score. And I think he would have, but you got to hold on to the ball first. So he's responded to adversity before and, and answered the call. And this team has done that a lot this year. So there's no reason to, to think otherwise. And the other thing that I think is interesting, Jake, when you, you look at Jamar Chase, you look at his snaps. This guy was on the field outside 
of the starting offensive line in Joe Burrow for the most snaps of anyone on offense. He got the most snaps out of the, well, the wide receivers, obviously more snaps than Mixon and any of the other running backs. And so they're banking on him uh, to play at a high level. And so uh, hopefully he can get things corrected this week. Yeah. And he, he talked about moving around more at LSU. He talked about being clouded in the NFL, which means he's going to get often a, a press outside leverage corner over him at a line of scrimmage, trying to funnel him to an inside release into a safety or depending on the coverage, somebody else behind him capping a lot of those vertical routes to the sideline. You're going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of just that kind of double team, not a pure true double team, not like a double man coverage, but this is a very common double team in the NFL. And the Bengals have done some things to take advantage of that with, with short route concepts, letting Jamar chase do work after the catch. And we've seen some of that. We saw some of that against the chargers when I thought he was really good after the catch and was routinely making guys miss and, and getting yards as he's been tough to bring down. But he also talked about moving around more at LSU. And I kind of wonder what he means. Cause I went and looked and, and maybe he just means left versus right. But at LSU in 2019, in his big year with Joe Burrow, he had 105 slot snaps and 689 snaps at at wide receiver. So, you know, some slot activity for sure, but 689 outside and roughly equal left and right. And, And maybe that's what he's talking about. Because in Cincinnati, he's had 86 slot snaps with 592 wide snaps. So pretty similar proportionally like 20 more slot snaps and a hundred more outside snaps at LSU, which is probably roughly where he ends up, right? Probably a little bit higher because 17 NFL games, but in Cincinnati, he's roughly two to one in snaps at left wide to right wide. So I wonder if that's what he means. Like at LSU, he was more equally left and right in Cincinnati. He's been more on the left side, which is interesting because you think about all the deep shots. I feel like they're mostly been on the right side. Uh, to Jamar Chase. Maybe that's just some sort of bias. But I do wonder kind of what he's thinking when he says, you know, I would like to move around more because Kelsey Conway, I think, asked that that follow-up question. And he said, yeah, I think that that would be, you know, I would welcome that opportunity kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the part of it that goes hand in hand. So you have a young player that clearly, I, I don't know if his confidence is necessarily shaken, but it's not where it was six games ago it can't be it's impossible so how can they and it doesn't get much easier again than the play that he had but how can they try to get that confidence all the way back and and give him a a play or two they went the short route short shorter routes uh for a lot of the past couple of weeks but they had the shot plays and, and they weren't able to hit on him so maybe it is that simple you know against the vikings i think back to that imagine you know you think back to all of the crap he took and a lot of it was fair because it was happening right before our eyes in practice and in the games and preseason but against the vikings it's not like he got a bunch of targets and early in the season he wasn't getting a ton of targets it was uh one out and then it was the deep shot downfield that he caught before half and then boom suddenly jamar chase took off and maybe that's it is it's the let's just wait for his his shot and and get him but i want to feed a guy like jamar a bunch of targets and i want him to catch him so Hopefully they can get his confidence up and they can get the the two-headed monster because it's, it's so weird. I think the past couple of weeks, this is what bit, what people thought the season was going to start out like, where Chase was just kind of there and T. Higgins was the number one guy. And it didn't start out that way. And now it's starting to play out that way. 
can the Bengals get both of these guys on the same page? Oh, and and, and get them going and have them go off in the same game. By the way, it's not like Tyler Boyd's having huge games still. He had some big catches on Sunday, but it's not like he's, he's had, you know, he didn't have a 10 reception, 150 yard game. So uh, you got a three headed monster there. Hopefully they can take advantage of it and, and really start to hit the ground running here with this offense. And and they haven't been a really high volume passing offense lately either. So it's, I guess, important to keep that in mind. Like there's only so many targets to go around when Joe Burrow only completes 24 passes, that's, that's 24 catches. And you have probably five, six guys that, that are spread around for those targets and, and more than one target per game for, for those guys. Um, the other thing is it's not all on Jamar right in the past five weeks, like in this game it's very easy to blame chase for the very obvious drop issues, but the, the strip sack could have been a touchdown to Jamar chase and the ball never got thrown. And in the last four weeks, you know, Joe and Jamar have not been necessarily on the same page or been accuracy issues downfield for how well it started. It definitely fell off. I would say in the last five games. Meanwhile, the good news is I'm very confident in his talent level and his ability to come back and, and finish strong or in the future, be a really good player. I think it's obvious that the league respects him and you yeah. can kind of see this in the way that T Higgins is popping off lately, his last two games over a hundred yards and in the eight games, T has been healthy this year and I'm, I'm excluding green Bay and Detroit. And obviously he missed a couple of games, but I'm excluding the first two games back when I think he was still finding his footing, 68 targets, 44 catches, 622 yards, four touchdowns. And since it's eight games, you just double that. That's a, a pace for 88 catches, you know, 12, 44 yards and eight touchdowns. That's a pretty damn good season for mm -hmm. the Bengals. Young number two, number one, number one, a number one B, whatever you want to call him in T Higgins. And so <laughs> they do have these guys and they have Tyler Boyd, who's incredibly reliable. And they have Joe Mixon, who's supposed to be this incredibly reliable and is generally this very reliable and talented running back. And so, I don't remember who said it. I think it was a guy on NFL Network was like, you don't expect the 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 most talented three players to let you down like that. And you could throw Jonah Williams into that mix if you want. That's mm -hmm. not necessarily something that's going to be common. And you expect them to make more good plays than bad plays. So, yes, it's been a little rough for Jamar Chase, but there's so many reasons to think that it's only going to get better despite – the perhaps increased level of competition in the back half, because it's really offenses that are scarier than the defenses they face. And so it's going to be exciting to see if these offensive weapons really get going. That's all the time we've got today. Thanks for listening to the lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with a film takeaways episode with our guy, Mike at Bengals stands until then Bengals fans who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.